Welcome to the Enlighten Up podcast. I'm Lisa Watson and will be joined by my co-host Nicole Frolic and Brian Koenigberg. The Enlighten Up podcast is a weekly show that provides an unconventional and refreshing spin on spirituality, where three friends and weekly guests share informative, fun, and usually off-the-wall conversations. Unlike others, we provide fringe and skeptical viewpoints on all topics, because our experience has taught us that the echo chamber is a boring place from which to learn. So regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, we can promise you, you're going to find a place to fit in here. So we invite you to grab a drink and listen in on our casual, entertaining, and hopefully enlightening conversation. And Enlighten Up is a self-funded podcast. So if you would like to help us to continue to be able to produce, enhance, and expand the show for our audience, then please send your support using the link in the show notes or go to our website, lightenup.us, and check out our merchandise shop where you can purchase merchandise that will allow you to express some spiritual humor. You may also show your support by leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting us. And now let's jump right into the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Enlighten Up. Thanks for joining us again this week. I'm here with Lisa and Brian, and uh, I don't know about you guys, but Mercury retrograde is kicking my ass. Lisa, how's Mercury retrograde going for you? (laughs) Feeling much better today, but it has definitely been a challenge. I feel like I've been moving through mud. I know. It's been super challenging. It's been like, just when you think it's finally all coming together, it's like, it's like someone pulls that one thread that pulls it all apart. I I think you guys bring it on yourselves because I don't believe in it and I haven't experienced anything (laughs) negative and it's completely, you guys are putting this mental roadblock out there that this Mercury retrograde exists. Somebody talks about it and then you fall right into the trap. And that is a very fair point. I think you have a very fair point there, Brian, but it's real. It's happening. It's happening. I'm experiencing like communication breakdowns, like internet, not working properly, apps, not working properly. It's, there's that. And then there's, of course, you know, the just wonderful emotional breakdowns that come sometimes when energy hits the fan. (laughs) Well, I'm a woman and I'm cancer, a cancer, and I feel it all. Yeah. Well, Mercury retrograde aside, we have a great show lined up for you today, and we are bringing on Ross Cessna, who is a writer, transformational coach, tarot reader, and Reiki practitioner. He uses his gifts and personal experiences to help people explore difficult life experiences and transmute them into blessings. I think Ross might be able to help transmute some of this Mercury retrograde stuff for us. Um, His experience is shared at life events via the Spiritual Phoenix podcast and through poetry in his first book, Vagrant Verses, which is available on Amazon, and we'll talk about that soon. Ross, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks for the invite. It's always an honor to be on somebody else's show. (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait to hear more about your show and how you got there and everything else that's going on. Yeah, I, I stumbled into your show when I was just kind of perusing around, wanting to listen to other spiritual podcasts, and I don't know, you really caught my ear. I really liked it. I like your story. I like your guests. I like your intro. I like I like your show. It's good. Oh, thank you very much. I can't wait to hear more about you. I'm definitely a talker, and I'm probably one of my favorite subjects, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> kind of like Brian. I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> 
So Ross, uh, it's so cool to have another podcaster on the show. How has the podcast industry been treating you? Um, it's been getting better steadily. It's one of those things where there's kind of a big learning curve and uh, I've just been patient with myself and with the whole process and I'm allowing it to develop organically. I mean, that's really the only way you can go about it because uh, it truly is an organic experience. That's what we've discovered with the show. But it's been a lot of fun. How did you, how did you start your podcast? Like what kind of inspired you? Um, I guess I'll give you the thumbnail sketch of it. I was going through a very... I'll give us the long version. <laughs> uh, the longer expanded version is really... I was going through a difficult life experience at that time. I had just started a 12-step recovery program. I had kind of went through and um, recorded a video of something, and I, I really enjoyed the process of that. And I was like, maybe this would be a good platform for me. Uh, podcasting would be a good platform for me to kind of go through uh, this journey of healing myself. And then it kind of evolved from there. Oh, interesting. And how did you... How did you feel about kind of speaking your truth? Because that's what most people are scared about is, you know, there's there's this block of, does anyone really have anything to learn from me? Who really even wants to hear me speak? And, you know, these are these are common things that come up from many people that I hear who are kind of embarking on their journey of truth. How did you um, face that? So for me, uh, two weeks into recovery, I got the opportunity to speak to a crisis intervention training. And mind you, I've never done public speaking prior to this. It's actually something that terrified me. And I got to uh, speak to police officers in training about my experiences with mental health and substance abuse. And it really helped them a lot. And I understood that kind of the journey that I've been on in my life uh, would be beneficial to other people. And also it could help me normalize my own experience to myself. So it was like uh, having like a deep, intimate conversation and kind of doing some inner cleaning, but putting it out there for other people to, to give them something to kind of relate to. Wow. I mean, and when, <laughs> when, when, when was this? How long ago were you going through that recovery process and starting, starting, you know, your podcast? Uh, my clean date, September 2nd of 2016. So I'm coming up on three years this September. Uh, I started my podcast actually on Halloween of 2016. So congratulations. Thank you. You know, we've, we've had, we had another guest, maybe two, I think on our show that many have have traveled the same, you know, a, a similar path to you as far as, you know, drug addiction and and becoming clean and mental health health issues and then abuse or, I mean, so many like traumatic. Right. And then moving into, you know, this, uh, this spiritual journey and being able to share it with people and help them through their journey. I think it's just such an amazing path. A common thread. I've definitely found that out from doing kind of what I do on my podcast as well, just from talking to people and understanding that a lot of people kind of have these, um, difficult life experiences that catalyzes them into uh, taking power back in their life and really deciding what their message means to them and how they can inspire or help other people with what they've experienced. What was your perspective on spirituality and life in general of like how things kind of go down here um, before you kind of hit rock bottom and things started to shift for you like where where were you at then versus where you're at now hmm 
Um, so I was really big into psychedelics. That was one of the things that I used. Uh, so I really had kind of a similar concept of spirituality in some regard, but I would say it was a very diluted sense of it. And for me, my first experience with psychosis was actually an incredibly spiritual experience. Um, I almost view it kind of like a spiritual emergency or a, a spiritual awakening that I wasn't properly prepared for. Cause at that time I had been doing, um, some, some yoga and various other things. And I think I kind of unconsciously awoke Kundalini. Um, but then light language, by the way, is, is loving what you're talking about with this spiritual emergency. You have me jumping out of my chair right now. (laughs) (laughs) Really? That's awesome. (laughs) Um, but so I went through all of that stuff and then because of the mental health stigma, I kind of suppressed a lot of it. Then about a year later, I had another experience where intuitively I started doing these weird rituals that were kind of intuitively intended to, to heal me. Um, and then I kind of suppressed more and more of that as well, because it was upsetting to people around me. What uh, kind of rituals? I was doing stuff with uh, essential oils and just all of this kind of self-guided stuff, which is still largely what I do today. Um it's hard to be more specific about it because that whole time is kind of a mix mash of memories. Some of the things though involved, like I was doing yoga under the moon and like positioning myself like tarot cards and like all of this stuff that is very peculiar, but with my understanding now and unpacking it with um, more of an understanding of some esoteric concepts and things like that, it was probably actually very healing for me. Okay, so when you say positioning yourself like tarot cards, like what under the moon, what exactly do you mean? Uh, This is just like one little snapshot of that. Are you familiar with the hangman card? Yeah. So I was like at the base of this tree out in front of my yard and I was laying in the snow like the hangman. I did that for like an hour, which is (laughs) I I obviously like don't advise that to people. Like some of the stuff is actually really weird shit, but like... (laughs) It's something that I feel like helped me because the hangman is all about getting this change in, pers- in uh, perspective, looking at the world in a different way. And for me, this whole experience with mental health really was that. So it's it's interesting in retrospect to look back and like be like, oh, wow. So I was actually embodying this archetype of looking at life with a different perspective and kind of suspending my life Um to get this different view of reality. Yeah. So so had you been into tarot for a while when you were when you were making these physical manifestations of the tarot cards? That's the thing that's interesting. I had dabbled in it but never really explored it too much to where I didn't understand the deeper underlying concepts of some of them. Um, oh, so you were totally soul guided then. A, a lot of the stuff that I went through in there was was very much so in in that um whole light. Honestly the the next book that I'm working on now is going to kind of go through this whole process that I went through with a lot of that. Um, but yeah, I was I was aware of it, but really when I was aware of the spirituality before going into all of this, but then putting down substances and kind of beginning this whole journey substance-free, uh, it's been a whole deeper process. And I, I really... One of the things I like to, I've really come to the conclusion of is substances can be a a great way for people to kind of 
maybe explore some of that stuff. They're not the only way. And I think there's a limited amount of expansion that people can kind of get under the use of substances. So it's not something I could ever advocate. I have to throw that disclaimer out there. <laughs> that, that makes sense yeah. to me though, yeah, because you do tap into a different brain wave, what, you know, gamma or whatever it may be when you're using substances. Yeah, there is benefit to it. Uh, and it's something that's no longer beneficial. And I feel like drugs will ruin my high at this point in my life. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like um, an initiator, but not something to carry you through. Yeah, absolutely. I've been reading the, uh, the Carlos Castaneda's book series. And, he, and, and the first book, it's largely substance oriented. And then later on, uh, Don Juan supposedly tells Carlos Castaneda that he had to give him these substances because he was too stupid to learn any other way. <laughs> and like, <laughs> for me, that's kind of like, I feel like that was the case. <laughs> yeah, it can be an opening, a door opening for, for many. Um, but it's, it's not something you want to be dependent on because it can strip you of your power. Absolutely. And I think that's the most important thing about it. I think that there are benefits to them, but I think an honest conversation about substances in general is they can be beneficial, but they can also be detrimental. And most people are on one polarized side or the well, other. The, the, the key word that you use there, Nicole, is dependent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and many people have a hard time not being dependent when they fully immerse themselves into the experience. Well, I think it's the same with like when you reach out for say psychic help or, you know, tarot card readings or whatever it is that at, at some point you're giving your power away to that mm. instead of using your own internal guidance and your own internal power. Yeah, exactly. They can all be as sisters, but not meant to be like the, the main guiding force. You know, you are the guiding force. Spirit within you right. is the guiding force. You you mentioned that you're getting ready to write another book or a second book. What what was the first book? It's uh, Vagrant Verses. It's 10 years of poetry. And it starts out with me high and homeless on a beach in California and kind of uh, goes through my whole, whole journey for the most part of that experience. It's something that like when I started writing it, I was literally homeless on a beach smoking hash. And I'm like, this is going to be a book someday, man. <laughs> and then uh, last year, actually for my 34th birthday present, I published it. I did like all the editing with help of, of some friends and like designed it all myself. So, Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I, I've written a book myself, so I know the journey of it and how... Um... How like it's it's very cathartic, but it can also be daunting, and um, you know it's just that whole factor of putting yourself completely out there for everyone to judge. <laughs> Absolutely. What was your book on? It was on my journey of flexibility. I was super inflexible, like growing up, like physically inflexible, and I was uh, really afraid of yoga. But more so, it was how my inflexibility became a central point of self-hatred towards my body and how uh, when I kind of had a major spiritual awakening when I was 31, it shifted my perspective to try yoga one more time. And all of a sudden, I started seeing how my body was only reflecting what my mind was telling it and that it was my mind that was inflexible. And that just took me on a whole journey of how to expand beyond um, the limiting blocks that I was putting in place for myself and preventing me from reaching my, my potential. Mm. 
That's really powerful. Um, I've actually been kind of hemmed up with hamstrings, like stretching my hamstrings. I go to uh, yoga regularly. So it's interesting to hear the perspective of uh, mind reflecting issues in the body. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, I've noticed that as soon as I became more accepting of my body and allowed it to just be where it was, all of a sudden, within a few minutes, I could literally get deeper into a pose than I've ever been able to. Hmm. I'm going to have to look into that. And now she teaches yoga. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And now she tortures Brian. (laughs) Yeah. She doesn't torture him. (laughs) (laughs) No, Brian's doing really well. When I put my book out there, I was like, oh, wow. I mean... You, anyone could say anything because you've put it out there for, you know, and that, that's just the reality of, of, you know, doing that when you put it out into the world, anything can come back your way. And I guess when you make yourself so vulnerable, as you do when you write a book, especially when it's about your personal journey, yeah, it's, it can definitely uh, be a little scary. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, the book I'm writing now, I, I kind of took a, a safe approach to it. I, I recently uh, spoke with Danny Bruce Levin. Have you ever, have you talked to him on your show yet? No, no. He's an author of a book called The Mosaic. So he's somebody you should look into. But I talked to him after our interview and he kind of told me about, he gave this analogy of a tree and he talked about there being this fence around a little tree and it's good to protect the little tree. But after a certain point when the tree grows up, this little fence looks kind of stupid around it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and in the book that I'm writing now, I was trying to be completely objective about my spiritual awakening and kind of my life and my psychosis and all of this, um, because it's easier to try to explain that. It's more comfortable for me to try to explain it from that lens. But after talking to him, I'm actually going to write it from the perspective of not trying to rationalize the psychosis and explaining it all as, as it was true, even though some of it obviously was just insanity. It's going to be a very interesting story. Ah, that's awesome. It'll probably be more riveting to a reader. Take them on, take them on a little bit more of a deeper journey. Yeah. It's, it's going to be intense. (laughs) You're going to, you're going to, you're going to take away the hand holding of the reader basically. Yeah, I'm going to let them see what it's like to kind of be in a psychotic break and kind of all of the all of the out there stuff that goes with it. But then all of the good yeah, stuff well, that comes from bouncing back from that, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. What? You know, that's just the power of the du- duality of the world that we live in. You know, if you go to one extreme, then you're likely you have the potential of going to the opposite extreme, you know, like of that kind of boomerang effect. Mm. Have you ever read the book Dharma Punk? I haven't. I'm familiar with the author. I actually attended um, a speech that he gave locally before. You may find that interesting just as research for your, when you go to write your book, just the way he presents his story. It's a really interesting story. I'll have to look into it. I I read his, um, he wrote uh, the Refuge Recovery book. And I, I liked a lot of the stuff that he presented in the Refuge Recovery book. And I liked how he spoke publicly when I heard him. Yeah, Noah, Le- Noah Levin is his name, correct? Right, right. Similar yeah. story again, you know, someone who was addicted to drugs. He was he had started drugs at a very, very young age. And just his um, his spiritual journey that started with him, I think, in jail for a good time. What is it that really catapulted you into your spiritual awakening? Um, What really made me take back responsibility for my life, honestly, was uh, 
a woman. So in my life, I always tried to kind of like heal myself with substances, with moving different places or with women. Um, and there was this one woman I was infatuated with at the time. And I, I really was beginning to be more cognizant of my behavior. Like I had stepped back from drinking and I was really only smoking pot like way too much at this time. But when I saw my emotional responses to her and how I was treating her, I was like, I really looked at myself and recognized that I was a 32 year old man acting like a 12 year old boy and that something had to change. Um, and my very last day using any substance, actually, like I had, I went over a friend's house. I drank a beer that morning, knowing uh, dang well that I had a problem with alcohol. I was like, I probably shouldn't do this, but I will. Then I smoked a little bit of weed and I went home and there was like a lot of stuff going on in my life. And I just wanted to use substances to escape it, but like I didn't have anything to use. And I was just uh, being emotionally destroyed. And then that night I went and I got a double deuce of Heineken and I was drinking it on my mom's porch. I just started crying. Um, there was this feeling that started to come up in the pit of my stomach. And it was the type of feeling I had before I got arrested, before I, end up in, before I ended up in jail, before I'd gone to the psych ward. Pretty much like before anything bad had happened in my life, I started to get this feeling. And I can remember just saying, please help me. Um, I don't think I'm going to come back from this. Like, please help me. And then the next day I went to a 12 step meeting, um, even though it wasn't something that like had been on my mind, I just happened to go. I had never felt connected. I'm the type of person that could feel alone in a room full of people. I felt connected. Um, I asked an old timer who had multiple years uh, clean. And I asked him kind of what he did or like what his advice would be to make me successful. And he told me to sit down, shut up, uh, get a sponsor, get a home group, kind of work the steps of the program that I made, like all of this stuff that people tell people that I had never done before. Cause I was introduced to recovery at 16. Um, it wasn't something that I wanted. Like that was the big catalyst for me. Just that inner, that inner feeling. It was like, I've done this before and it's enough. Spiritual, mental, emotional bank, emotional bankruptcy and fear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh what was it like for you being in a psych ward? Um, I don't know. There was, a... I know it's a really odd question to ask, but I mean, uh, so there, there's multiple different facets to it. Cause I was in and out of them for multiple times. Um, the first time that I went, it was actually really terrifying because I was, uh, having severe delusions and thinking that the guards were going to sexually assault me. Um, there was times when it was very, very joyful and pleasant because I was like in all these other delusions thinking that like I was uh, with this gifted group of people. Um, it was all over the spectrum. So there wasn't there was really, really horrifying times and there was really good times, I guess. Were you medicated while there? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I see. That makes sense. That's actually where I'm going to start off my next book with them giving me a, a shot to sedate me and me kind of going under and then having this reverie of my life. Wow. It's just so... Okay, I have, I'm going to ask you this because we've never had a guest on who um, has revealed to us where, like, you know, being in a psych ward... Um, 
when you were there and you looked around at um, everyone else who was in there with you, did you have any revelations or, um, uh, I don't know, maybe some sort of awareness of what was going on with everyone else that maybe not everyone on the outside would be knowledgeable of? Uh, I mean, the simple answer to that would be, yeah, I've always kind of had the perspective of people that had hallucinations or delusions were kind of tapping into something else. Like, I, I, I think that objective reality is a very narrow perspective of what's really going on. But like mm-hmm. on a deeper level, after the fact, looking at all of that, um, I think that a lot of people probably had a lot of traumatic childhoods and they repressed a lot of stuff. And that most of the solution for that would be people listening to them, them learning uh, how to exercise and eat healthy. And I think it would correct most things. Like it's, it's a, it's a social issue more so than it is a chemical and genetic issue in my opinion. Interesting. I completely agree. I feel like sometimes it may just be that they're not, able to live in this frequency of the matrix like that they're somehow Mm. above it or they're they're not able to i I just i know people close to me who have some mental health issues that are some of the most brilliant people i've ever met and are really tapped in even spiritually and i think it's just like they can't wrap their head around this density there's a, a quote, and I forget who said it, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's being considered sane in an insane society. I forget the rest of it, but like the way our culture is, is, is relatively sick. Um, so it's obviously going to breed sickness and capitalism as a philosophy and a lifestyle is incredibly damaging to individuals. So how, how could we not have sick people? And there's a distinct correlation between the way that we live and the increase in mental health issues, in my opinion. I can totally, I can totally see that. I mean, it is an insane society and to, to say what's normal and what's not normal. And we're, you know, taught to fit into certain boxes and be certain ways. And if you're anything outside of that, then there's something wrong with you. But we've, we've come a long way. You know, you and I were talking about that this morning or, or last night, um, you know, a hundred years ago, if you were talking light language, channeling light language, you'd be, I'd have been hung by now. Yeah. Or in the, you know, in the, in the loony bin. And that's, it's not, it's not, I mean, it's, you're free to be who you are. For the most part. For the most part. But there's so many other things going on. I think with chemicals and the foods that we're eating, like Ross said, a lot of it is, our environment, you know, exercise and what we eat that is causing people also to go a little bit crazy. I mean, the other thing mm-hmm. too is uh, entertainment. The etymology of the word entertainment, it, it means to contain within. And when you really look at uh, as a culture, like just look in the North America, like what people are containing within. <laughs> um, scary. It speaks, it speaks volumes. Yeah, it's, it is scary. Matt, we had Matthew um, Morian on our show a couple of times, and he he had a post on Facebook the other day that I saw something about, it's hard to believe that there's so many people that are just okay with this cycle of work, consumption, 
entertainment, sleep, you know, just this cycle that like that we're on this robotic type cycle without stopping and saying, you know, is there more or, you know, what are we doing here? Or why are we doing this? You know, when you just think about the average person wakes up, goes to work, consumes, entertains themselves, goes to sleep, and then goes back and does it all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. I saw the same post, I want to say. Um, and it, it that's definitely what my whole life was about. Like, I've always felt disconnected. And I've always been searching for that deeper meaning and kind of picking at things. It just so happens to be that my path uh, I had to go through some darkness in order to actually find all of that, the answer to that. And I think that that's one of the things that is almost a precursor in some ways to getting a good experience is going through that darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like a, um, a rite of passage, you know, like uh, in order to truly understand it, you have to experience it. So that you can also then become a teacher for those who do go through it, because the best teachers are the ones who've experienced what you've gone through. Yeah, I agree. That was one of the things that I really wanted to do after getting out of the psych ward was learn to kind of be an advocate for people that have had my condition and my experience, because I hadn't really been able to hear people that had um, like I was diagnosed bipolar one. uh, And I also was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and like all of these other labels but you don't hear people talking about how psychosis was good and like helped them. And near the end of my psychosis, it actually helped me. And I want to let people know that they can channel this stuff for good experiences. That's empowering. Well, it's just like with Nicole, you know, it's our, our biggest challenges end up becoming our greatest teachers, you know, your inflexibility and that the, when you were able to make that connection to your inflexibility in your mind, how it opens so many things for you, you know, so whether it's a, an illness or inflexibility or psychosis or, you know, whatever it may be, when you surrender to it, mm-hmm. it can be your greatest teacher. No, absolutely. I go, well, um, this is kind of on topic in a way. Uh, and, We've had we've had a couple questions come in from our audience, and Ross, we're going to let you take a stab at answering uh, one of them. Um, would you be up for that? Yeah, totally. Okay. So one of our listeners has uh, written in, and she has said that she doesn't have any special gifts like channeling or seeing or light language or anything like that. She's an excellent teacher and she loves teaching. She knows that she shouldn't compare herself to others, but she does all the right things and feels very stuck in her growth or evolution. She knows it's not about attainment, but still she dreams of attaining unity consciousness and getting out of the soul recycling program. And that just seems so unrealistic. Um, And by doing the right thing, she means she does yoga. She takes good care of her body. She reads spiritual books. um, She avoids mainstream media. She meditates. She eats organic food. She gets plenty of sleep. And <laughs> I already like her already. And I drink red wine because I love it. Good for you. <laughs> um, she hangs out with uplifting people and yet she feels stuck. Any words of advice? And I know this is common. You know, you feel like you're doing all the right things and yet you still feel like you're not going anywhere. What are your thoughts on that, Ross? So there's there's two things. Uh, the first thing I'll say that is short and to the point is I've heard that when you're trying to do that stuff to attain stuff beyond the benefit of it 
that that can actually prevent you from getting any other benefits or gifts from it. And then secondly, um, all of us have gifts. I know for me, like some of the stuff that I thought everybody could do when I, I, I later found out not everybody can do that. Like I've always been empathic or like an intuitive, but I thought everybody could do that. And I've come to find out that I can't. Also, I guess I have one more thing to say. Being a teacher is probably one of the greatest special gifts and highest privileges one can have. Um, and there's probably a lot more that she hasn't had awareness of. So I don't think it's about her gaining anything. I think it's about her really evaluating and diving deep and seeing what she already has that she might be overlooking. Yeah, like, I, and I completely agree. Because, you know, for me... <laughs> My flex, my inflexibility was probably one of my greatest gifts um, in a sense that my body became my greatest teacher. And it was my body that I actually um, disliked the most. Um, so the very thing that I actually hated became my greatest teacher. So discovering your gifts can come from the most unsuspecting places. And so, you know, we think that it's going to come in the form of perhaps all of a sudden you start channeling or, you know, like with Lisa, she had this light language just suddenly come on and, and it's a beautiful gift. But, you know, that's one of many beautiful gifts that Lisa has. Um, and there are many gifts that, you know, she has that are I, I can see how some people might like, you know, just overlook and go, oh, well, that's just kind of every day. You know, like Lisa just has the most loving energy. She's just so loving you know, and to me, that's an even better gift than her light language. Um, because as soon as you walk into her energy field, it's just like melting love everywhere. But yeah. True. And so I think love. that's a really um, great answer, Ross, because sometimes we're constantly looking outside of us for the answer and looking for it to be something grand when it could be the very like thing that's kind of maybe in the dirt that just needs to be brushed off and find mm. the real gem. I would, I would add, where's the fire chief? <laughs> it's, you know, I, I'm doing a lot of the same things that she's doing minus reading spiritual books. Um, you do a spiritual podcast every week, though, but I, so. I, I am, I am exposed to spirituality, but I'm not trying to get anywhere. And and that's that's a that's a big difference. I'm not looking for something to come out of this. Am I growing? Ab absolutely. And I think that's all you can expect to do. L you know, live your life, do these great things, but don't forget to stop and smell the roses. And you know, pay attention to, you know, how awesome life can be. And you know, if you're constantly thinking something is going to be better or looking for something to be better, you're missing what's right in front of mm -hmm. you that might be incredible. You know, I, I've i had similar thoughts to this this woman that asked the questions as far as like, you know, I feel like there should be more, or, you know, what's my purpose in life? What is it that I, I'm supposed to be doing? And, and I've realized, you know, kind of just what Nicole said that, some of the things that I do naturally and just who I've been my entire life are my greatest gifts. You know, just whether it's comforting a family member or somebody reaching out to me because I'm the only person they feel like would understand or, you know, that they could confide in. And I've had numerous people 
tell me that. And it's only been recently that I've realized, wow, that's a gift that I have that I've never tried to do, that there's actually people that I'm the first person they come to and not even really close people, like people who have really surprised me, who like, you're the first person I wanted to call to tell that I was diagnosed with cancer or something. And I'm like, that's incredible. So I think sometimes, just like Nicole said, we have these gifts that we're we're not even paying attention to. Yeah, minimizing. Because they're not the ones we're looking for. We want channeling or, you know, we want to be able to read tarot cards or see visions or be clairvoyant or clairaudient or whatever it may be. And and maybe just your loving heart is your gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we tend to um, devalue things that uh, don't stand out so obvious to, um, I guess, the masses or what most people would say um, is like a special gift. <laughs> and that's part of the self, that's part of the journey of self-value. That's part of you discovering your own self-worth. And, uh, you know, because for me, when I started doing yoga and reconnecting with my body, I had no idea that it was going to take me down the path that it took me down. I was just like, okay, something has to shift and I'm just going to start here. You know, it was, it was a starting point. It was, it was one step forward in a direction where I had feared very much. So, um, sometimes, you know, and this, I talk about this in my um, talk that I did on the cruise, uh, navigating the map of your soul's journey, your fears can actually be very revealing to you about uh, where your true gifts lie. You know, the ones that maybe you're not completely aware of. Uh, behind your fears is what's, your fears are often hiding the things that are, um, are most of, of most value uh, and have mm. a lot of teachings to offer. So I would also say to our listener that um, you may want to get really comfortable with your fears and start looking into those. And in the discomfort, you may be surprised at what you find. I think Nicole Frolic once said, your fears are lighthouses <laughs> to your greatest potential. She did say that. She did. Oh, thanks for the plug, bestie. <laughs> <laughs> so Ross, tell us, so you, you ended up in this 12 step mm -hmm. recovery program and how did, how did this turn into a path of, of tarot and connecting more on that level? Is that something that you had dabbled in, in prior years? I had actually, or did it all kind of come on suddenly? Um, I had dabbled with tarot uh, previously um, in psychosis or prior to psychosis at one point. And then it was something that I was interested in looking at more because I actually was listening to another podcast and that podcast had really kind of inspired me to podcast and also to uh, pick up some of my old habits because it helped me normalize myself and kind of my own interests and separate um, things like tarot reading and all that from mental illness and say, it's okay to have these interests. I can still be quote unquote sane, whatever that means and explore these. Um, and I approached a lot of this stuff from a very skeptical point of view. 
I still try to be as skeptical as I can about stuff um, unless I see tangible results with things just so I don't go off the deep end. But I've also gotten a lot of tangible results. Uh, and I think that a lot of this metaphysical or spiritual stuff is actually very reality based in the sense, but it might not be reality based how people perceive it to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed that you're also a coach and you cater um, to more towards men, not that you wouldn't coach women, but you have kind of like a niche with men. Um, uh, how come? So I, I actually, I have a hard time developing male friendships because there's this almost a stigma of kind of men being connected to their emotions and being emotionally intelligent and all of that kind of stuff. So for me, because I have more emotional vulnerability than most men, I feel that I can help guys kind of understand that that doesn't make them weak to, to tap into their emotions, or it doesn't make them less of a man to be aware of their emotions, and that they can learn to transform themselves through accessing this, the, their emotions and kind of their shadow consciousness. I think that's great. I think it's so needed too. Um because I think also we're living in a time where men are being thrown down the totem pole of priority. Like not that anyone should be a, more of a priority than anyone else, but men in particular are really being demonized at this time. And I'm seeing the uh, effects of that come through and that there's a lot of the suicide rate is a lot higher in men and there's a lot of depression and the devaluing of men in society um, through the rise of feminism um, is just, it's been interesting to see the scales tip because I think it's always, you know, it's, it was, it's important. It was important for women to reclaim their power and know that they're, um, you know, that their place in this world is as equal to men, but there have been, there's been a movement in place that also in a way had to take, felt like it had to take away from men and make them less of a priority. And that certainly isn't the answer to uh, equality and also helping one another as a society evolves so that everyone is feeling um, cared for and important and valued. Yeah, I think empowering people in, in, in general is where we should be at and getting everybody on an even keel and helping people learn self-love and kind of expanding their own consciousness. Like, I'm willing to help anybody that's willing to do the work on themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I, I think, you know, we talk about, you, okay, well, this listener, she mentioned unity consciousness. And I think we've now reached a point because the pendulum always has to swing in a bit more of an extreme direction between before it starts to level out, right? It's just the natural laws of of um, du duality of energy. So I think we're kind of coming to that point now where we're realizing that if we really want to move beyond separation, then we have to stop separating ourselves um, in this identity crisis that's kind of going on of women versus men, as opposed to just humans, humans helping humans. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely think that there's this old saying by Mother Teresa, and it was kind of 
talking she was talking about she wouldn't go to a, a war protest but she would go to a pro peace rally and when people focus more on the unity and kind of like you said unity consciousness they're going to get better results mm-hmm where your focus goes, energy flows. Being conscious of what exactly you're putting your energy into, it could seem like you're putting it into the right thing, but you know, this is the this is the whole kind of trick of the mind and also um paying yeah, the ego of the ego. You know, it could just be one simple tweak of wording and your thoughts or what you're saying that could completely change the energy. And I think like you said, if we're focusing on unity, and that doesn't mean homogenizing everyone, it just, it, you still respect individualization, but bringing unity into knowing that we've all got value, we've all got a place here, and we can come from a place of support. I think it's really important to start embracing that going forward. And I can see that starting to happen, which is really uh, hopeful to see and nice to see, refreshing actually. Because I think we, I think people are starting to learn from the mistakes made, which is totally normal. That's how we learn. You know, we try something, it doesn't work. Okay, we got to try another thing. That's just the way, it, you know, life is. Um, it's evolution. So that's very, it's really cool to um, see that there are um, men being catered to, um, because I do feel like they've been lost along the way in the last two decades. Yeah, I'd like to see more of kind of a sacred masculine movement that's empowering where it kind of teaches men to step into their own divine power and learn to live in more harmony with themselves. I mean, there's this whole thing about toxic masculinity, but men don't get the opportunity to kind of embrace their sacred side or their own divine power without it being kind of bastardized. So I think that that's coming and it's more and more, more and more prevalent. And I think that, uh, more people will step into it. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. There's a lot of um, emphasis on the divine feminine, which is which is beautiful. But um, we've you're right. There does need to be as equal emphasis on the divine sacred masculine because we all encompass it. We all have feminine masculine within us, and understanding those two energies and how they're present in each of us and how we use those energies for creation is extremely important in. Um, first bringing unity within yourself so that you can then project that unity into the world. So I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the the concept of masculinity, too, that's popularized is kind of a corrupted concept of it, where it focuses on a lot of the negative aspects, or I don't want to say negative, out of tune aspects, because a lot of those things, when they're kind of refined and polished more and less emphasized, are actually very good qualities. It's just a matter of emphasis. Or they're exaggerated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you now? <laughs> where is Ross today in this whole journey? Like, What, uh, what would you say is kind of one of your um, most prevalent lessons that you're kind of going through? Well, he's doing an amazing podcast. That's where he's at now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Where I'm at now is I'm coming up. I just celebrated two and a half years off of uh, illegal substances. I'm coming up on two years of uh, mental health medication with the doctor's blessing. And this is medication I should have been on for the rest of my life, according to Western medicine. Um, Almost a year free of cigarettes. Uh, My business is growing. My podcast is doing well. Working on the 
my second book, like things are, are really going well. Ironically, I've been going through kind of um, a lot more inner reflection. So I did an interview on my podcast uh, with Stephanie Capone and she did backs of badass bitches tarot. And she <laughs> talked about it being the year of the hanged man um, numerologically. Like if you don't reduce it numerologically, it's year of the hanged man. And that's all about kind of getting this alternative perception and stuff like I had talked about. And I've kind of been going through this whole process of shifting my perspective on a lot of things where this whole, the thing I've learned on my journey, and this is actually why my podcast is called the Spiritual Phoenix Podcast, is I'm constantly shedding these layers. And just today, I kind of realized that I'm transitioning from the hangman to the death card in the sense that I'm shedding a new layer and the old uh, mindset I've had up until this point is coming off. And I'm kind of going through this rebirth process. And it was kind of funny because after the fact, I recognized that it's the first day of spring. And I'm talking about like, I'm pulling up the death card, which is the exact opposite. <laughs> um, but it's neat. Yeah, I'm in a really good space. Um, life is going really well. And I'm very optimistic for everything. And uh, couldn't... I. I could be happier, but it wouldn't be real. I guess I could be chasing the horizon of happiness. I'm content with where I'm at and trying to stay present in the moment. That's great. And congratulations on all of those achievements. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that I was able to accomplish it. <laughs> <laughs> what was the hardest thing for you to give up? Were cigarettes the last thing that you let go of? Yeah, cigarettes really was. Um, I, I was actually vaping for a while when I was going back and forth from the vape to the cigarettes. Uh, one of the things that really helped me is the guy who's my sponsor pretty much told me that the vape was methadone for cigarettes. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not like putting down people that need something to help them come off of other substances. But for me, if I was going to smoke something, I'd rather do something where there was some kind of benefit. Like at least pot, there was a benefit to it in, in some senses. But cigarettes, there was no benefit. It was just something that I did. And uh, I feel so much better with that sense of taste, sense of smell, uh, better sleeping. Like everything in my life has kind of gotten better from that. But that's probably the biggest one. Did you get a sense of... Um also like spiritual detoxing, like in your energy field of what you were able to perceive when you started to let go of all these things? There's definitely been different shifts. Honestly, um, one of the things that was like the most spiritually detoxing thing, I did a no porn, no masturbation, no orgasm challenge for 90 days where I didn't look at anything like that, didn't pleasure myself or didn't orgasm at all that was probably one of the most like purifying and detoxifying things I've done. That's a great topic, actually. Um, you know, Lisa and I've talked about, I don't even know, I don't know if we've talked about this on the actual show, but okay, you've opened the door. <laughs> no, but we've we haven't talked, talked about, about orgasm porn. on the show as far as we haven't talked about porn. So um, what was your initial reason for doing, at least from the porn perspective of stopping that? And then was there anything else that you realized through that journey of um, removing it that wasn't in your awareness before? So initially it was kind of to shift my relation 
ship to women in some capacity. And then on the other aspect of it, as I would heard that it would make sex more pleasurable to actually take that kind of break and reprogram myself. So there was, there was two facets, one, maybe not so wholesome, <laughs> but it is what it is. Uh, and then throughout the whole process, there was lots of different levels of understanding, like going back to that concept of entertainment, it's what you contain within. So it's putting all of these images of what sexuality is and all of this into my mind and what a relationship should be like, which is really damaging, I think, especially because I was, I was looking at porn before I started getting high at 12. Like, so I was probably looking at porn at like 10 or, or younger. So that was one of the first kind of fantasies that I used to escape was that and seeing how long that was with me. Um, there's a, I think a lot of guys enter that realm, you know, very, at a very young age, and then it just becomes normalized mm -hmm. throughout life. Absolutely. It's interesting because, um, you know, since we're all being very honest, uh, the porn was something that I was always very, um, like I had a very liberal perspective on it. Like I wasn't, you know, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Um, and through the last few years of kind of like really deepening my awareness uh, from a spiritual perspective, I started to see the programming of it and how it was destroying uh, relationships uh, for anyone who was watching, whether it was a man or a woman. And it's like you said, it completely takes away the uh, sacredness of something that is actually one of your most powerful energetic gifts. And I've also have talked to men who have become so desensitized through porn that they can't even um, enjoy sex with a physical partner anymore. And it's, I've heard you know, before, yeah. it begs the question, which I think all four of us know the answer to, and I'm sure many of our listeners do, is... Why are we being programmed to just be completely destroyed and void of all relationship connections on the deepest level? Mm. What many would think, well, it's just, you know, entertainment. It's just, you know, for kicks. But really, when you look at it, there's a much deeper agenda behind it that completely is destroying people's relationship not just with their partner but also just with sex in general and sex is an act of procreation and you know it's it literally is the union of like the masculine and feminine energies it's the spark of the kundalini it becomes a lot more obvious once you become aware of all this stuff why porn is being put out in in like droves like it's so easily accessible and made accessible to so many people, especially young minds. Like you're saying, when you're you're a young boy, you're you're it's available to you, and it's easy to get hooked into. Yeah, one of the things that I really found out, um, I was actually on a Reddit community, no fap at one point, because they kind of have like these guidelines to the challenge, and it's like a, a support group um, when you're going through it. And a lot of the stuff that they kind of talked about on there stood out to me in the sense that like. First off, 
it will cause depression over masturbation causes depression or masturbation in general can it depletes you of a lot of uh, chemicals that you need for healthy brain functioning it makes you more prone to aggression <laughs> makes your moods less stable so like it completely destabilizes you as a person and it's interesting like a hundred percent transparency i tried to start this challenge again and i had like a slip up a couple days ago and i started getting like these migraine headaches and i was like what what has changed in my in my life and then i looked at that habit and sure enough uh, migraine headaches can be a symptom of like the advanced stages of that being a problem in your life. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. And it's like, I really have to look at this again. So it's interesting kind of how it came up and it really is making me walk down this avenue again. I'm I'm curious why you're approaching it as a 90 day challenge and not using the 12 step program tool in your toolbox. <laughs> um- <laughs> That's a great question, Brian. Way to put the guest on the spot. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I honestly don't have a valid answer that wouldn't be an excuse. And that's one of the things that I actually had to use for smoking cigarettes. Um, And it's even something that I talked to uh, another person in in the 12-step program that I'm with about this same issue. Like he brought it up to me and we kind of just had a guy chat about it. And then I I stepped back from it. So it's something that... uh, I actually appreciate the honesty and you asking that because it's going to make me really evaluate it because I know it's unhealthy for me. Well, the, the, the word that a lot of, I think, society uses around porn mm-hmm. is addiction. I mean, that's what we're, we're talking about. You know, I, I can't not do this thing. That's an addiction. I need it in my life. I have to go to it every day. It's a re- whatever, whatever all the, the reasons are, that's, that's, yeah, that's a really good point too, because the fellowship that I'm in, it doesn't focus on specific substances. It focuses on the disease of addiction mm-hmm. and addiction is the obsession and compulsion, um, which can lead to any kind of destructive behavior. Like it's not about drugs whatsoever. It's about doing things that cause harm to me and people that I care about and not being able to stop. So right. Typically, some people will move from one addiction to another, and it could be even from, say, alcohol to religion and and whatever it may be that they get caught up in. Or food, just food and, you know, food in or general, food. just needing something, which obviously there's ones that are less harmful than others. But yeah, you're right. It's that whole like focusing on the disease of the addiction versus the actual substance is important. Bringing up food as well, there is a, I had to eat like, I made a decision to eat healthier over the summer, um, this past summer. And I never realized how much I was emotionally eating and eating away my feelings. And when I stopped kind of emotionally eating, there was a lot of stuff that kind of came up and was kicking around. And it's something else that I I kind of slipped back on during the holidays. Um, I haven't gained much weight back, but it's something that's again, becoming unmanageable and unpleasant just because of the physical symptoms of it. But I think that there's a lot of things that people aren't aware of that they use to escape emotions. And when you begin to take that away, we're left with having to sit with a lot of unpleasant feelings that we're trying to suppress. And it's not the most pleasant thing. And this is this is something that at times bugs me about the spiritual and positivity communities and all this, where people want to sugarcoat and kind of um, put on rose colored glasses for stuff. 
and not really sit there and go through the unpleasant emotions and experiences and not really do the work uh, on the, for, for themselves. They'll they're, they're preaching, but they're not doing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's something that I understand that there's a level of regression and all of that stuff at times, but there's a lot of times where people talk about being all love and light, but then they're not really looking at their shadow side or taking any accountability or doing anything. It's almost like spiritual narcissism. You know, and that, that kind of brings us full circle to where we started this conversation about how Nicole and I have been feeling and this Mercury retrograde and Brian's comment about that. I feel like for the past couple years and more so like the past year, I've been really honing in on a lot of things like how I eat and, you know, meditation and just giving up and really trying to work on the shadows of myself. And I feel like it's been one of the hardest years, like last year and, and not necessarily 2019, but I mean, not calendar years so much as the last couple of years have been really difficult where I'm feeling these energies and I'm feeling these things that, that Brian said, you know, may just all be in our head, which I can appreciate that. But I think it's also because I'm willing to allow them to come up right now. I'm not using food or, and I won't say I don't use substance. I still drink and smoke occasionally, but you know, nothing on a regular basis. I'm not trying to. No dependence. No dependence. Right. Um, and it's, it's allowing some of those things to come, to come up where I'm not feeling great, but I'm not looking for things to, to sugarcoat it. I'm not looking for things to hide it. I'm, I'm allowing You're not blaming anyone else and I'm not blaming anyone else. I'm, I'm simply looking at myself and saying, wow, look at this shit that's coming up and, and why I'm feeling the way that I am and, and going inside. And I think we have to allow ourselves to do that. And, you know, in the spiritual, the spiritual journey is no joke. You know, it truly is no joke. It's not all butterflies and roses and sunshine. It's, it's about allowing that those shadows parts of you to come up and truly look at them and face them and face your fears and, and be real and be honest, just like the conversation we're having here today and that we normally do have on our podcast and being completely transparent about who we are and, and what it is that we're doing. As they say, no mud, no lotus. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Really? No mud, no yeah. lotus. Yeah. I've learned two new sayings today. <laughs> <laughs> You know, going back to the porn thing, though, I saw this video, and I don't remember exactly. I know there's a certain, um, you guys probably know it's a hormone or a chemical that's released. Is I'm not sure if it's serotonin. Um, it might be serotonin in the brain when you when you orgasm or you you know you get that high, and they were comparing that endorphin. Uh, I'm not I'm not exactly sure, but they were comparing that high to likes in social media oh, sure. like when you when you post a post and then you're going back to see like how many likes you have and who's watching and who's and that that social media was just as dangerous and an addiction just like porn can be or sex or orgasm or i thought that was really interesting it makes sense our whole culture is kind of built on instant gratification unless we begin to pull ourselves back from it 
Well, and that's exactly yeah. what porn is, is instant gratification. I mean, that's, I mean, mm-hmm. Facebook and, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's the exact same thing. Yeah, Facebook is like ego porn. Yeah. <laughs> or it can be. Yeah, it totally is. It really is like ego. I think that's a great <laughs> description of Facebook. <laughs> ego porn. Um, you know, and it's and it's interesting because this didn't happen. It, this was not a conscious uh, choice. But I've noticed over the last year, I've pulled back from all social media predominantly except for my YouTube channel because I'm putting, I need to put out all my videos there, but, um, and there's just so much to learn through YouTube, uh, versus where like Facebook can be this vacuous, uh, vacuous space of, um, God, nothingness. Um, it, it kind of just shows how we as a society are being programmed to lose connection at every point possible you know impersonalization yeah 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 one of the things that i find interesting about the whole programming though too is it it takes our participation where we're actually brainwashing ourselves and kind of programming ourselves just really really poorly yeah it's it's for me i i guess the awareness is great you get to see where things can go when you allow yourself to be so easily led down a path, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's, we were, we were literally like carrots were dangled in front of us and it was like all shiny objects and things to take us down the social media pathway. And not that social media can't be used for, you know, good purposes that are useful. Uh, there are many useful things that do come out of it. However, I think that, the lack of awareness of how engaged we are in the disconnection, if that is sound, that's a total oxymoron, but um, it's true. We're so engaged in disconnection. Well, and Mm. and it's the masses, you know, individuals are making sound decisions. The masses are just, you know, clicking along, click, like, 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 you know, and they're just, they're, they're using it. (laughs) You know, they're using social media in, in a way that they're absolutely mindless, just like they use porn or just like they use TV or just or like food. their food. I mean, it's just when you look at how the masses behave, it's just completely screwed up. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, the things that are the things that are posted on social media. I Brian and I got off of social media. I've gosh, been off for a year over, and a half. Over a year, yeah. And and I'm on it for the podcast. I, I do use Facebook and YouTube to to promote the podcast. So I, I do get on Facebook and see kind of what's going on sometimes when I'm in there for Enlighten Up. And some of the things that I see, I just, I, I wonder why people are taking their time to, you know, take a picture of their closet and how their jeans are stacked and, and asking for comments on like, what are, what do your jeans look like? And do they you, want the likes, you know, do you they have different sizes for your different weight? And I'm just like, who cares? <laughs> this is just so, so unimportant. And there's so many other things that we could be doing. Hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. I use social media personally, but it's also something that I'm removed from. And I try to be as cognizant of it as I can be um, because it's, it is a really great tool. And I think that that's something that needs to be applied to most things is 
how are you using it? You can use a hammer to build a house or you can use it to hurt somebody. It really goes back to how you're using it and the mindfulness of it. Um, and for me, like, I actually feel that social media has helped me in some capacity because early on in my journey, I would put like a bunch of positive feel good stuff in my feed to kind of like reprogram my mind from where it was at. And in some capacity, even with like building my business and my journey and everything, I really don't get the likes that I feel that I should sometimes. <laughs> and, to, and to me, that like builds up a level of tenacity and um, comfort in myself and what I'm doing because I don't, I'm not where I should be or where I think I should be, but I'm actually okay with it. If that makes sense. You're just not tapping into the algorithms properly. That's all Ross. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have time for all that stuff. I'll go crazy if I try to. I'll go crazy again if I try to do that. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. And, and I, with Enlighten Up, I only follow positive, you know, channels and positive feeds, so that when I'm in there, I'm not seeing the junk and the mindless stuff. Because I think it can be helpful. I mean, you can join certain Facebook groups and certain, you know, follow certain Instagram pages that can be extremely helpful that can get your mind out of the gutter. Like Nicole has talked about like a, a breadcrumb list of, of people that she listens to, to help her get out of a funk or whatever. And it could be an Instagram page or a Facebook group or something like that. That So it's not all bad. You know, everything I think just needs to be, you need to evaluate everything in your life and how you're using it. Basically, moderation is the key, you know, whether it be food or social media. Or moderation. Or porn. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that uh, the guy who's been my mentor through this whole process really told me is to look at the motivation and intent behind the actions that I'm taking. And that's something that's been uh, really insightful by being able to take that moment's pause and learn to respond rather than react to things and um, make conscious decisions. I think if more people step into that, that's really how we kind of reclaim our power and get back in the driver's seat of our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 100%. You know, and I have to, I keep bringing up this porn thing, but I have to say, I, <laughs> I wonder why, I Lisa. Because... I have something I wanted to say about it, which is I stopped watching porn. I don't remember how long ago it's been, probably at least two years or longer. When I, it just, it hit me when I realized that how, mon, how many um, people like children and women are traffic, you know, there's human trafficking and are used for the porn industry and what, an evil industry it is. And I just, I can't allow myself to support something that is so dark in, in mm. any aspect. So, and, and that's what I would think about now, if I ever went there, I would just think I, I cannot support this industry. I just don't think it's something that should be, should be going on. It's not like they're all consenting adults out there doing this stuff. It's, it's much darker than all that. Yeah, it's, um, you know, when you think about it, you, I mean, when you read more about the industry and all of that, uh, especially when you're on the outside and you don't know what's going on on the inside, 
that you know many of the people who are doing this are on drugs like they're in order to do what they're doing um uh, some people are willingly choosing it i'm not going to say that they aren't but i don't know it's I feel like, okay, we've talked about on the show recently this year, Jessica Alstrom, who was on our show, talked about how this is like the year of the unveiling, things, the unmasking. And just from what I'm seeing going on in the world right now, especially just even in the last three months, there is such a huge push of inverted truth that it's, it's to me, it's almost like I've never seen it like this before. It's, it's so in your face and so distorted like, for instance, just the other day, I saw um, that in, I think it was in LA, there was a slut walk or something. And it was all about claiming your power to use your body the way you want and that there should be no such thing as slut shaming. And it was all like people glorifying being a slut. And I'm like, what is going on in our society that people are distorting something to fit a I, I don't even know how to like put words to this yet because I'm watching this live video interview of this guy interviewing people who are walking this march. It was a slut march or something like that in, in LA. And it's, it's a total attack on femininity, on the divine sacred feminine. And women and men, because there were a lot of men who were doing this as well, um, are completely buying into it and having the entire uh, empowerment of femininity being completely distorted to make devaluing yourself seem okay. Mm. And this is what people are protesting and fighting for. I mean, it's, it's so distorted and inverted. It's like going into Alice in Wonderland down the rabbit hole and you've gone into a completely different world, which really is the world we live in, but everything's inverted. And until like you actually can take a step back and question things, I just, it's, it's, um, it's amazing to me how little critical thinking happens in something that would seem so obvious, but you're so pulled into it that you eat it up and believe whatever's being spoon fed to you for some level of empowerment. And I'm saying this because, you know, it kind of segues off of the porn industry of like, it's, you know, it's very demoralizing to both men and women. And then you have this march happening that you think, you know, protests and march should be for empowerment. And this isn't the kind of empowerment that I think women are really truly wanting, but yet they're fighting for. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of confusion going on out there right now in all areas. Yeah. Yeah, I think the main thing, just in my perspective, if people tapped into more what's going on inside of them, all the other stuff would sort itself out. The kind of revolution takes in between our our two ears. Yes. (laughs) You want to change the world, you you start with yourself, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess it's true. It's like all of this, like looking outside of yourself for the problems versus looking at the ones you actually have access to and can change, transmute, control. Well, it starts to make you feel uncomfortable. Like I was saying before, 
know, what I've been going through the last couple of years and just really trying to focus on myself and when these feelings come up or these triggers happen, really focusing on myself and not what's going on outside of me. And that's a really big pill to swallow. It's, it's hard. It's hard to do. It takes practice not to project that onto the world or project it onto other people and deal with your own shit. And we don't want to, you know, the ego doesn't want that. It's easier to blame. Mm -hmm. Personal accountability is definitely uncomfortable. I just did my uh, second, fourth, fifth, and sixth step in the 12 step program. And that's kind of where I look at all the things that I've done, voice that to other people, to myself and my higher power. Um, and then kind of really look at my character defects. And in, in doing that, it's very um, revealing. And there's a lot of liberation, although it doesn't sound like there would be. But taking personal accountability, and, and for me personally, 90%, probably 99% of the shit that happened in my life was a dire direct result of my actions and my behavior. Sure. <laughs> like I'm the person that's been screwing myself over my whole life, nobody else. I'm, I'm surprised to hear that you're two and a half years clean and you're you just said you're 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 just in step six i know this is my second time through oh, okay yeah the other fellowships go through a little bit quicker and the one i'm in they tend to go a little bit slower there's actually like a guide for it where it can take people a month or more per step mm -hmm. sometimes it's really intensive well it doesn't matter where you are on the journey. It's just that you're on it, yeah. you know, and, um, every, every step's important and it's better to really kind of take your time and absorb everything, um, that's kind of really going on so you can not just understand it, but then live it. Mm-hmm. That is the main thing. I mean, working a step is one thing, but learning to apply, the principles of it in your day-to-day -day life is the other thing. And it's something that uh, I haven't perfected and I'll never perfect. And I'm always going to be learning and expanding and growing with it. Well, we commend you, Ross. Yeah. And um, it's, a uh, you know, I think the achievements that you've made in the last couple of years are big achievements. So um, congratulations for all of that. Uh, can you let our audience know where they can find your podcast and also a little bit more about your book? So my podcast is on iTunes, um, Stitcher, Google Play, a lot of the podcasting platforms, Spotify, and it's the Spiritual Phoenix podcast. Um, there'll be like a little blue phoenix on there. Also, I have a website, spiritualphoenixstudios.com or oracleatmotion.com. And as far as my book, the one that I have out there is available on Amazon. It is called Vagrant Verses. The cover of it is... Uh, there's two representations of the hermit card and two representations of the fool. And there's kind of this cityscape and this nature scape. It is 10 years of poetry um, that kind of travels with you or with me through my life journey. Um, is it cool if I read a poem from it super quick? Oh, no, I was, I was just going to ask you to do that. <laughs> I okay. love it. Yeah, please go for it. <laughs> Uh, honestly, it's interesting because you had said the no mud, no lotus, and the one I'm going to read it ends with the lotus and mud. So, <laughs> oh, really? Between sunshine and storms is where I stand, one foot in the ocean, the other dry land. 
My head's in the clouds, a foot in the sand. I'm half of a boy, a fraction of a man. A breath of my life, an exhale towards death. The pause in between is when I connect. With what is above, reflected below, a soul with a body, a body with soul. My beginning was an ending, at the end I began. Divided I fall, together we stand. My sanity is crazy, my madness is sane. My fire is water, my liquid a flame. My hate was my love, my love was my hate. I saw the invisible, I existed no place. I'm here and I'm not, I wasn't and was, a saint and a sinner, a lotus in mud. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. That was beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Did you, did I hear right that you said divided I fall together we stand? Correct. Yep. I love that. I love how you used divided I fall, but together we stand. It's a very unified way of saying it. Yeah. Thank you. Definitely kind of about, there's a lot of spiritual concepts hidden in a lot of it. Um, and a lot of lessons that I kind of learned put into really simple words. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. I I loved it. I loved the poetry of it. And I could totally hear that being a rap song. <laughs> I actually did do hip hop at one point. Um, I started writing poetry sophomore year of high school. Then I got into doing hip hop for a while. And a lot of it was about drugs when I was getting high. I've done a couple of songs in recovery, but it's just not something I'm into as much anymore. Yeah. Well, it's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. And to all our listeners, uh, we will leave links for all of that stuff. If you'd like to purchase Ross's book or visit his podcast, we'll leave the links for that in the description show notes. Thanks so much, Ross, for coming on the show. This is a, a wonderful discussion and it was really nice to hear your story. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you all for joining our show. We appreciate you tuning in and supporting us. If any of you have any questions you would like answered on the show or any guests that you would like to hear on our show, please email that information to us at info at enlightenup.us or send us a voice message using the Anchor app. There's a super cool feature on there that allows you to send us a message or ask us a question with a touch of a button right from the app. And please continue to support us by following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you haven't checked out Nicole's channel on YouTube yet, head on over there for some more insight from her, or you can visit her website, inflexibleme.com, where you can book a personal coaching session or a tarot reading, watch some of her most informative videos, or you can sign up for her newsletter. And if you're interested in some light language healing, head to my YouTube channel, Lisa Loves Love, or send me an email to lisa at lisaloveslove.com to inquire about your own personal reading. Thank you again for joining us and supporting us, and we'll be back with you all next week.